So when we start to break things into these manageable pieces, we actually start to get things done. And the more we start to get these little pieces done, the more confidence we are building in ourselves that, yeah, I can actually do this thing, that this this idea, this can come into fruition. Like as I start to tick off these little boxes, I can start to move forward and it, it then becomes this self-propelling momentum in how we get things done. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Hey, loves, how are you? Okay. Today's guest is actually someone I really just enjoy having conversations with. Uh, I... I met him through Kareen Walsh, who you all remember from one of our earlier episodes, and she is just phenomenal. If you haven't listened to her, we'll put that link in the show notes because she's a badass and she loves to help you be a badass. Um, but she introduced me to James through an email and I was, and he asked me if I want to do something and I said, yes. And then, and then because I said, yes, I did something and like, he's like, Hey, you want to be on my show? And I was like, yes. And then we had one of the best conversations I've ever had in life. And so of course I was like, well, you know, if you're running on my show, I would love to have you. Cause like, we have way too much fun talking together and y'all, he not only is not going to disappoint you in his amazing, inspiring, wonderful, honest answers about life and work and how you can be it till you see it. But we get into goal setting and it's one of my favorite goal setting conversations I've ever had. Um, if you are in agency, uh, you get to meet him in our group because he is speaking to our group. And if you're not an agency and you're like, wait, what's that? Well, that's where we coach people on how to do their business. Um, but at any rate, this episode, I'm really, I really can't wait for you to listen to. I hope you can understand what he's doing and, and you are going to want to go into the show notes. And if you don't know how to find them, you're going to do this little swipey up thing. And you're going to find the links in the show notes because he has an incredible, physical thing that you can use to make your goals a reality. And I know if you're listening to this show, you're like me, you like a physical journal. <laughs> I can't read my own handwriting, but I still love one and I still buy them. So at any rate, here's James Patrick. And stick around to the very end because we got some outtakes that's been happening. There's always outtakes um, <laughs> and the team does collect them for bloopers on the YouTube, but uh, we're adding them into the end of the pod because you know what? You need to know that we are not perfect. You're not perfect. And we're perfect, enjoying the process. And we are enjoying that. So have a good laugh on our behalf. Love you. <laughs> loves it's here opc summer camp you know that thing we started last year well we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world which means all day long you can nerd out with me at camp zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot no you can have the amazing food in your own home you can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for in fact you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money in fact, up to 
a 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got Reformer. We've got some happy hip Reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers, and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! All right, be it, babe. I'm super stoked for our guest today. James Patrick is one of the most favorite people I've actually ever been interviewed by. One of the most fun conversations I've ever had on his podcast. And he said this amazing thing that he's going to share with all of us. And I was like, well, that's absolutely necessary for our be it pod listeners. Um, cause we're all about goals here, all about taking action and also like actually trying to accomplish them at the same time. So James, will you tell everyone who you are and what you rock at these days? Well, thank you so much for having me on. I always get a little um, like overwhelmed with imposter syndrome whenever I have to describe myself. Um, and I think that goes back to when I was trying to build my career as a photographer, which spoiler alert, I'm a photographer. And I was working in marketing at the time trying to build this side hustle as, as a photographer. And whenever I'd be at networking events or, or socials or things like that, someone would say, well, what do you do for a living? And I would chicken out and I would not say I'm working on being a photographer. I'd always go with the safe route and say, well, I'm working in marketing. And it wasn't until I trusted someone enough not to judge me that I was comfortable saying, oh, by the way, I'm also trying to become a photographer. And at some point, uh, I think it was around 2006, 2007, uh, I was at a networking event. Same question was asked. And I says, well, I'm a photographer. And that right there was a light bulb moment for me that made me realize, oh, I need to quit my marketing job because I'm actually willing to own this posture of being a photographer. So I've been shooting now for 20 years. I, I've shot close to 700 magazine covers, um, but I also tie in a lot of my background in marketing, in press production and helping my clients leverage the power of earned media to amplify their brands, to generate new leads for their business, and then how they can how they can build an entire ecosystem from there. Oh my goodness. I love how in your intro, you somehow managed to make sure we heard how you be it, you were being it until you saw it. Like, like you, you struggled to say that you're a photographer, but once you said it, it was like, oh, well now I got to let go of this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I actually can relate to that in a lot of ways. So I, and I'm sure some of our listeners can too. It, I remember when I became a Pilates instructor, it felt really weird to say that because I'd come from like being this top manager in a, a very mm. famous boutique from like that people around the world knew. And I know I was going to say, oh, I'm a Pilates instructor. And it felt really weird to say it, but then it's really interesting. And I don't know if you got the same thing. Once I said it, just like, like there's this moment, like, oh, I am this person, but people find it very intriguing when you get to be something that's like not the typical <laughs> route that someone could go. <laughs> They're almost a little jealous. They're like, wow, you, you, you're, you do that for a living. It's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah. No one asked any follow-up questions when I said I worked in marketing. Like, okay, that's great. Um, but when I said, oh, I'm a photographer, well, that piques curiosity. You're absolutely right. I never thought about that uh, until you mentioned it. Yeah. It piques a, a good kind of curiosity. I'm sure like lawyers and doctors always get those follow-up questions, but the, <laughs> being a retail manager, being in marketing, it's like, oh, okay. Like it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As they look over your shoulder to see who else they can talk to in the, yeah. Yeah. Especially in LA. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Just where I had to like learn how to get seen in, in the world. Um, So 
you, you said it like over 700 covers and you have, and like, you're doing all these things to help people build their brands. How did that come to be? Like, was that something that you kind of fell into just one step at a time? Was it something that you had a dream about doing? How did, how did this all kind of come together? In regards to photography or shooting covers? Uh, let's shooting covers. Um, it wasn't a plan until at some point I counted it and realized that it was pretty substantial. My my first job as a photographer was working in media. Uh, I was working at a newspaper. And prior to that, I was a journalist. Um, and I don't know whether the newspaper I was working at, if the publisher hated my writing or loved my photography, but he, he said, I can't be a writer anymore. I needed to be a photographer. So he put me in the photo pool as opposed to the writer's pool. And... I started shooting for a few issues and then there was an opening to be the photo editor of the, of that newspaper, which I, I landed now to be clear, photo editor doesn't mean I edit photos. You don't really edit photos for newspapers. What it meant was I managed the photo department. I had to quickly learn what photos worked, what photos did not work and where to place images within the, the print publication. Uh, that led to me getting a job as a photo editor at a startup magazine. Same thing. I have to manage a team of photographers. I have to assign out the, the the projects. And then I have to cull through all these images to determine which of these images are commercially viable that are going to help sell this magazine. So when I launched out my freelance photography business, I stuck with what I knew, which was shooting for media production. And it just made sense that I was shooting lots of magazine covers because I knew what images to take to make a magazine cover that moved units. And at some point, uh, someone asked me, well, how many of these have you done? It seems like a lot. I think at that point, it was like 500 or something like that. I was like, oh, I should actually keep track of this at this point. Yeah, that's so um, that I love that because I think sometimes people can forget the strengths that they learned along the way. And like mm -hmm. having those opportunities just allowed you to to hone in your skills as a photographer so that when you're taking pictures, it was like, well, this is something that's going to actually sell the thing that it's on top of. Like, it really does matter. I have, to, I, I have to do that sort of for myself with newsletters. I'm like that picture, why would you choose a picture? Put that picture away. And it's like, I clearly need a photo editor and <laughs> cause I don't want to be that person, but those, it matters for whether something, uh, take goes off the shelf or sells a book or sells a product versus it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter if the product's amazing, if no one will look at the picture that's on it. I think so often we're afraid to lean into these unique differentiators uh, because it's like, well, I don't want to turn off some clients. If I, if I only focus here, then other people are not going to be too interested. And my opinion is, no, it's when I focus here on, on, for example, media production for myself, it was really hard to compete with me on that. When I said, I don't just take photos. Anyone can take a great photo. I can make an image that I know is going to work. I know it's going to move more units. I know it's going to sell more ads. I know whatever it is, I know this is going to work. So while everyone else is taking photos, I'm going to make an image that works. Now, if the goal was not to sell magazines, if the goal was not to move magazine units, if the goal was not to get published, there's no reason to look at my work. There's no reason to hire me. There, there are other photographers that that can do better in other areas. Like for example, um, events. I am atrocious at shooting events. I, I would be the worst person to hire for it. it. It causes me physical pain and anxiety to even think about shooting events. Um, food and beverage. I absolutely love shooting food and beverage. I would not consider myself even remotely 
commercially competent to shoot food and beverage, um, whereas other people would absolutely decimate me should they bid against me on a food and beverage uh, uh, campaign. So I, I've really tried to stay in what I believe I excel at and use that as my unique differentiator because there people cannot compete with me. Yeah. When, well, and I, you know, what I love is like the more you actually, as you say, lean into your unique differentiators, the better it is for you because you become the best at what you, it is that you do. Mm-hmm. But so many people are, are so afraid. What, a, what, a I mean, you've probably seen it along the way with the people that you coach and the people that you work with. What is, what do you see as the fear that they're like, if I, if I put myself in this position, I like am alienating all of this. So like, I'm just going to be for everybody, which we already know is not going to work, but why, why is that fear so great that it's keeping them in the place of thinking that it's going to work when it doesn't, when we already know this? The assumption is, is that they're going to lose work and they're going to lose opportunities that, that opportunities within their specialty are too finite for them to build something substantial out of. And when I launched my photo business was right around the recession in 2008, and I had the problem where I was quite, um, ubiquitous and trying to do everything. You know, I could shoot fashion, I can shoot editorial and I'll shoot, um, you know, uh, events or whatever, whatever would pay, I would say yes to. But when budgets are very tight, which they were, uh, and by the way, budgets are always tight. There's no such thing as, as uh, uh, like a big budget. <laughs> I've never had a client, like I always get the email. It's like, well, our budgets are really tight right now. I'm like, I'm just waiting for the email to say, hey, whatever you want, the, you know, throw, throw, throw the biggest uh, number you can at us. But, um, Budgets were tight. And so if if you have a very, a very limited amount of money, and let's say you're shooting a fashion campaign, are you going to shoot the person who is competent enough to shoot the fashion campaign? Or for the same budget, are you going to hire the person who specializes in fashion? Yeah. You don't have money to redo this. You can't mess this up. Who are you going to hire? Who are you going to hire the specialist? The person who you trust to do this project right the first time. And then it became, well... I just need to be a trusted resource for that. So when it comes to being trusted for this style or this approach or this this vision, yeah, I'm going to be hired for that. Now, does that mean I lose out on some campaigns? Of course it does. Yeah, that's fine. But it doesn't mean I lose out on everything. Uh, last week, I was shooting uh, a product uh, right across from me in my office. I Food and beverage, actually. I have to shoot product <laughs> labels for a food and beverage company. Um, now, why did I get that? Because I, I built a relationship with that person, not because I, I, I might be the best photographer to to, to shoot this, uh, but because I have a great relationship with that client. And that's why they hired me. So this idea that we're going to lose out on everything, it's just not accurate. And it's never proven to be the case. But not specializing in something is almost a guaranteed way to lose out on opportunities that you are hardwired to 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 be getting. Mm. Oh, everyone rewind that. Listen to that again. That is I love that so much because it's true. Like there are some things that you'll get by based on relationship that happened in my business as well. And, but also like, even for me, I I'm a small business. We're trying to be a big business, but we still have budgets for things. I love my photographer that I work with. She's phenomenal. I, she does events really, really well. That's how I met her, but she's a personal branding uh, photographer, but she does not do the photos even with the relationship I have with her for my flashcards, my exercise photos are a specialist. He specializes in shooting movement. He specializes in shooting, shooting athletes. So I can actually keep moving while he takes pictures. I don't have to hold 
every exercise as it's going. And it's just because you, you gotta, you have to make sure that you are hiring the best for, for something when, especially when budgets are tight, but when you have a purpose for that product. And so the more we lean in you're, you're, I love that. I love the way you actually said it. It's like, you're guaranteeing that you're going to get the jobs that you're the best for instead of losing out on, on the ones that you could have been the best for. Um, so you've been a photographer. It sounds like for, oh my gosh, you're almost at 20 years in this business of solo doing photographer. Obviously your job has, your role has evolved and you're doing these other things. What are you most excited about doing right now? I, I don't know if I could distill that. It's kind of like asking what breath I'm excited to take next. Um, every, she was every, your favorite child. <laughs> yeah. Every day I, I go to work, it's it's different. Like today, I get to spend time with you recording this podcast. And the only other thing on my agenda today is I get to post-process a, a handful of, of projects I was working on. So photo editing. Um, and I, I'm excited about that. You know, I, I get I get my cup of coffee. I, I I get to put on some music in the background, and I just get to kind of zone out in this meditative state while I just work on this. And then tomorrow, I I'm doing copywriting all day, and and I'll have fun doing that. And Monday, I'm filming content uh, where I have to be on camera because we're going into a launch. So I have to film a bunch of uh, sales videos and marketing videos. And I'm gonna have a, a crap ton of fun doing that too. I would rather just not do work that I don't really feel lights me up. Um, I choose to work. I choose the work I do. I choose to work very hard. And I also choose when I'm not working. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, it, that's not to say, and I don't want to sound like I'm on a soapbox where, you know, I just never, I never have a bad day. And I don't, I don't find things that, that frustrate me and, and stress me out and cause me just massive amounts of, of paralysis and anxiety. Um, but that's not the goal. The goal is to to love what I do. Um, I would say uh, one of the things I'm that's been lighting me up a lot recently is I started I started uh, taking my podcast and incorporating a lot more video into it. Uh, and I started doing it at the start of the year, and that has been just such a joy to do every week to to be able to go live uh, and have people tune into my show live and be a part, uh, an active participant in my show live. That's um, so cool. Yeah, it's. I just I had wanted to do it for years, and I got tired of trying to make it perfect, and I just did it, and it's been great, I, and I've had so much fun with it. So, and I think maybe that's the reason that comes to mind right now is just because it's the most new thing that yeah. I've been doing. So, yeah. So I, I agree. Like I, um, there are not, there are days where like even in my job, it's like oh, I just don't really want to work today. But when I actually start working on the things, I'm like, I really do. Like, I do actually like writing my own newsletters. I I love copyright. I love writing a sales email. I'm not the best person at it, but I like have fun the way I write it, that it does really well. So I enjoy all the different parts that I do. However, I can remember back to when I was like in 2015, trying to make the thing I'm doing now, the thing I was doing by myself, like making all the money and doing the job that like was the job just over budget, paid the bills, had the security of the healthcare and all that stuff and trying to bridge the gap of like how to taking that eventual leap while living in LA and paying exorbitant rents and parking tickets um, <laughs> because you just never got out to your meter in time. Um, so, you know, for me, making those goals, that was easier to break them down and, 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 and finally get to this place where I, I get to do what I chose to do. And I'm really excited about it for those listening though. What are, what are like your, like, what is you, how did you break your goals down? How did you make sure that like, that you could have this job or like you get to do everything you like to do? 
So I was running into this problem a number of years ago where I would set goals every year because I knew, so every book I read said it was important to set goals. So I'd set goals for myself and then I'd forget about them or, or I'd, you know, file my goals into a, a folder that would go into a filing cabinet that I wouldn't look at until the next year. I'm like, oh, did I actually do that? No, I guess I guess guess not. Um, and even goals that I did remember wanting to do, I never really conceptualized how I was going to do it or what that process would look like. So by the time I would come up to when I thought this would be done by, the more insurmountable that goal became and, and the more stressful that goal became. It was just easier just not to do it. So what I decided to do was to create a living document that I looked at regularly uh, that I would catalog my goals at and I would check in with uh, on, on a routine basis because at least now I'm not leaving my goals collecting dust in a drawer for, you know, 11 months. I'm looking at it monthly or, mm. or every other month or even weekly, you know, and I'm trying to see, okay, what do I need to do? So it, this was an Excel spreadsheet. I started like a decade ago, a little over a decade ago. And then every year I would refine it a little bit and add a little more context to it and break the goals down a little bit more so that let's let's take like I've been hosting events for 10 years let's take I want to host an event this year well that is a really big idea yeah. and the closer you get to well I want to host an event by July and now all of a sudden it's May 31st and you're like I got a month to get this thing off the ground and I've never hosted an event before I don't even know what to do so I'm just going to cancel this this, this mm -hmm. goal is just and that's that's unfortunate because that could have been an amazing event. And you are now robbing all those people who could have attended that event, the absolutely phenomenal experience of being a part of seeing your idea come into reality. So I started to break these goals down into, well, what needs to happen this quarter? All right. What needs to happen this month? What needs to happen this week or what needs to happen this day? And the more granular I made the goals, two things happened. Number one, it drastically reduced stress. Because now I'm not thinking about building an event. I'm thinking about this month alone. I just got to find a hotel to host the event. That's all I got to do this month. And then next month, then I can figure out food and beverage. And then the month after that, then I can figure out speakers and sponsors. So I'm now segmenting my attention. I don't have to worry about speakers and sponsors right now. I just got to find a great hotel. And I can put my energy into that in this moment. And all of a sudden, it allowed me to refine my focus and everything, and not just in business, but in, in in my personal goals. Like, you know, I wanted to take two personal trips, uh, you know, in in a year. Well, taking a personal trip, you can break down as well. Well, what does that mean? Well, I need to research places to go. I need to book airfare and hotels. I need to book uh, experiences on these trips, and I can now put this into different months or different weeks as I lead up to this trip so that, oh, I said I was going to go on vacation in August. I'm now in July. I don't know where to go. You know what? I'll just cancel it. Now I've robbed myself of a great vacation. So when we start to break things into these manageable pieces, we actually start to get things done. And the more we start to get these little pieces done, the more confidence we are building in ourselves that, yeah, I can actually do this thing that this this idea, this can come into fruition. Like as I start to tick off these little boxes, I can start to move forward and 
it, it then becomes this self-propelling momentum in how we get things done. I am so glad you brought up the confidence part of it because that is why so many people listen to this podcast and why I even created this podcast is most people are like, bless you, you're so confident in everything you do. And I'm like, well, I actually have a lot of imposter syndrome in most of the things I do because most things I'm doing, I've never done before. <laughs> so I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but I am someone who loves to work backwards. I learned that many years ago and I, and it is the most helpful way to take on a big project and also you said confidence, but also it kind of guarantees you're going to do the thing you're scared to do because you've already done all the work. You already booked the hotel. You've already reached out to the sponsors. You almost get yourself into a position where you can't back out because it's harder to back out than it is to do the scary thing. And so, um, but when you said you're robbing people or you're robbing yourself of an oper- of an experience, that to me is one of the most important things people can take away from this right now as you're listening. Every time you are too scared to share who you are and what you do and how you rock at it, or every time you skip out on something that was going to change people's lives or your own, you're you're preventing the everybody from having this experience that could change their life. Could absolutely that vacation that you were gonna take could have been the thing that allowed you to end up meeting the person that was your best friend or meeting the meet getting a different job or or just maybe moving. Like I almost skipped out on not going to Cambodia because my husband wanted to go there for our honeymoon. And I was like, really? <laughs> That's where you want to go on our honeymoon? Can we add an island in there? <laughs> Can we just, but we, as soon as we landed, I was like, oh my God, this is my favorite place in the whole world. Right. And if we, and it, we did the same thing, plan the honeymoon because I had nine flights in 14 days because my husband's an ex-musician mm. and he's like, oh, we'll just go on tour. You can see people see three countries in a week, no problem. And I was like, really? <laughs> That's how you do this? But it's those little steps each time so that it builds up and becomes the goal that you had in the first place. I, um, You've said you've been doing this for 10 years. Have you been able to help other people see how to break these things down? What about the people who are like, they don't know the steps in between, you know, like that breaking it down to small pieces. They're not sure the steps in between or the order of those steps. That's such an important question because this approach does not guarantee success. And that, that I really want to, to be clear on but the goal is not success. The goal is progress. So when I first hosted events, I had no idea how to host an event. So of course I got things wrong. That didn't matter. The event still happened. And every year, I've, and, you know, we're going into our ninth year of this of this conference, and every year it has improved. Um, even, even going into this year nine, there were things in year eight that we didn't do right, uh, right, quote unquote. I, yeah. We didn't do as well as we could have. Every year we're learning. Uh, so so this, this idea that I need to perfect something before, before I begin, mm-mm. No, that, that's another great way to always keep something as an idea. Uh, it, it is about testing. You won't know what works until you try something. Um, and and I love how you said that even, even where we're at now, we're still not confident that things are going to work out. I, as long as I've been doing this, I, I, I still am terrified that something is going to go awry or something's not going to work. Even if I've done it a hundred times before, I was launching a new brand a couple of years ago and I was feeling a little nervous, a lot nervous about it. And I, because of that, I was getting a little testy at home. I always says, why are you, what are you worried about? I'm like, well, I'm putting a lot of time and energy into this. I'm putting money into this. And what if this doesn't work? 
And she just looked at me. She's like, well, then you'll do something else. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. And, you know, spoiler, whatever I was launching did not work. I lost money on it. And, and hey, check my pulse. Yep, still here. And still doing okay. Um, so the goal is not perfection. The goal is progress. As mm -hmm. we start to work incrementally towards this, there's no way for you to know how to do everything or how to perfectly reverse engineer. But that's not an excuse not to try. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, I thank you. That's a really good point. Um, you know, we work with a lot of athletes, uh, athletes, excuse me, um, uh, fitness instructors on their goals mm -hmm. and their business. And they'll, I can, I can see when they've missed, they, first of all, too many times I see people, put too many goals on that are unachievable for one person in one month. <laughs> so it's just like too many goals. And it's like, like I love all these, but we, I, do you have 40 hours a week to work on these? Like these, you know, so giving yourself achievable goals is really great. But also when you set yourself up like that and you don't do them or you don't get them all the way because a roadblock came up, I see people shut down. Oh, I did. I missed the goal. I failed. And it's like, actually, how could you have known that your website would need all this copy? If you've never built a website before, how mm -hmm. could you have known if you, uh, to to put a scheduling tool together was going to take you three weeks instead of two weeks. Like you can't know these things. So we put dates on things because it helps us get them done. <laughs> right? Yes. If it's in a priority, but getting it done, uh, it perfectly is not the goal. It's the progress. It's like moving the ball forward, not kicking it down the road, but like actually moving it down, moving it forward with that, with that information that you learned. And so sometimes you have to reset the date. So, a um, couple things I want to say on this because you brought up a few important points. One thing about setting goals, I would I would encourage people to set goals that they themselves have control over and that are not required to have another party or another uh, company be the decision maker. So, for example, it would be frustrating if I were to set a goal on, oh, I don't know, uh, number of uh, newsstand covers I want to shoot in a year. Because uh, I don't actually control that. There's mm -hmm. another company that chooses whether or not my work gets put on that cover. So let's say I were to say, oh, I want five newsstand covers this year, and I only get three. Well, I might feel bad about myself, but that didn't mean I didn't work my ass off to get these these covers. So why should I feel bad about that? Instead, I could shift that to, I want to send off 10 pitches a month. I want to uh, send off 100 podcast submissions per quarter. I want to record 20 YouTube videos uh, per year. Now, these are things I control. And I'm working towards goals like shooting new STEM magazine covers, but I'm not setting my how I view success or fulfillment upon conditions that I don't have control over. And that's something that's helped me just reduce some of the just stress I might feel if I'm not hitting something that I don't control. Um, like I want to launch a website. Okay. I can set a loose date of when I want to launch a website, but if I'm not designing the website and someone else is designing the website, I can only control my aspects of it. How fast I write the copy, how fast I turn around the edits, how fast I upload all the materials, how fast I purchase the domain. Those are the things I can control. I can't control when a designer says they're going to get their work done. So that, that I think is important. And the other thing is, um, we have this, this way of the closer we get to finishing something, the more we find wrong with it. Um, 
when I worked in marketing, uh, I, I was doing professional service uh, business development. So I, I pursued public sector work for uh, architecture and engineering. And in pursuing these projects, which on the regular were six to eight figures, um, when did the project manager come into the room to assess their opinions on the pursuit? Did they come in at the beginning or did they come in at the end? They came in at the end. And like, well, I don't know if I like the team this way, or I don't know if we're we're highlighting the right past projects, or you know what, maybe we need to bring in this other subcontractor. And my response is, holy shit, are you way too late on this? Because mm -hmm. we have to turn this submittal in tomorrow by five o'clock, or we don't get this project. Now, if you would have come in at the beginning of this process, then all that stuff could have been factored in. This is why we're trying to reverse engineer at the beginning. So guess what? All this stuff that you're going to do is going to do one of two things. One, it's either not going to happen, and we're going to submit as is, and maybe we get it, maybe we don't. Or number two, we're going to try to squeeze all this in, and we're going to miss the deadline, and then we're not going to get it. Okay. Yeah. So coming up with these objections or these, these alternatives or these scenarios, worst case scenarios at the beginning can help create some some ideas on how to work through if these things ever do surface or if these things ever do arise. It's like we have an event happening at my studio next week and it would be very counterproductive if my business partner came in and says, oh, we need to change the the order of the speakers and we need to shift around uh you know, how we're doing registration or, you know what, all these people who bought tickets, we need to adjust what, whatever this scenario is, that would be a bad time to do it. Okay. But if they were to do it at the beginning, now we can work this through. It's, it's, it's just a way of once again, allowing perfectionism to delay actually getting something out the door. Yeah. I, first of all, both points love. And the second point I really um, can, from my own experience, it is really funny how the closer we get to like something, seeing the light of day, we like start to nitpick noodle or like all of a sudden have this reason why, uh, this actually shouldn't be like this. This, I remember when this prior to this podcast launching, I had recorded, you know, you have to have like 11, whatever, who knows what it is today, but back then I could launch with 11 episodes. So, mm -hmm. and I thought that was a lot. And, um, but I remember like doing, um, I didn't, I've never interviewed people like for a podcast before, really I'd been on the other side. So I'm doing the best I can. And right before it was supposed to launch, I listened back to some of them and I was like, this microphone we have is terrible. Mm. Now, wouldn't it have been a good idea <laughs> prior to actually interviewing all those people to check, to see if I liked the sound of the microphone? I didn't. And I had sat there for like a week thinking about what am I going to do? Cause like, I don't want to re interview all these people, but I'm not really sure. I love the sound. And as I was about to just stop myself and like stop myself from moving the ball forward, from having the goal of launching the podcast on time, thankfully <laughs> someone I look up to in this world, I'm sure you've actually shot her a cover several times. I listened to a podcast. She launched some friends and their audio was so crappy. <laughs> I thought if these women can put that out, I'm going to put mine out and I'm just going to go buy a new microphone. So episodes 14 and on have a different sound and we're just going to go with it. But I really did that perfectionist. That's why I said I'm a recovering one. That perfectionist almost got me to stop. And now if, looking back, I can see what we made a mistake on. And now for other things I can, I love this idea of like, let's think about the things that we might want to change. We might, that could go wrong at the beginning. So we actually put the lead time in to deal with that. Now we have the time before we don't have the time genius little addition in there. 
How many people um, complained about your audio quality? No one has. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, pe people will overlook a lot or they won't notice things or they don't care as long as the content's good. You know, it's people care about outcomes and results when they're investing even time and energy. If, if the content's good, if they are getting the outcome that they wanted out of it, they're going to, they're going to ignore so much. You you're 100% correct there because even when, so now it's probably eight, nine years ago when I started on YouTube, this is like before, you know, before I could before getting access to like, you didn't have AirPods or wasn't there. And so like getting a, a lapel mic was pretty difficult. And my husband's like, he's like, you have to be on YouTube. And I was like, to insert all the imposter syndrome of why I should be on YouTube over anyone else. But anyways, we did it. And it was, you know, pre tripod. We hadn't even like, we were like taking messy action. Should we do this? And so he's like trying to hold the camera really still while I'm like filming an exercise. And of course it's LA. So then an ambulance goes by mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have to like, stop, start again. Those videos though are still getting views today. No one's complained about the audio. No one's complained that there's not a tripod. We got better along the way, but when the content is what is answering questions people have, they will, they are more forgiving. Um, you know, and then, and now today there's like so much access for so many affordable prices to noodle and, and, and do things better. So we can, but, um, you know, what a great reminder that like, if that, it's okay if the, if what you're doing is actually great quality and other ways people will overlook some things. So give, give yourself some space and grace. I always get nervous when someone asks a question, um, what's the best microphone to get? Um, what is the best recording platform to use? What's the best camera to purchase? And I'm just, I don't care. I, I don't know. Um, whatever you use, I, it doesn't matter. I, I, um, Speaking about podcasts, you know, early on when I started podcasting, there weren't, as you said, as accessible of gear or technology. I mean, we didn't have Zoom. We had to drive to people. So I would, from Arizona, I'd drive to LA to go interview people because I, I desperately wanted them on my show. And I was using these old crappy microphones. I actually just found it. It might be behind me. Yeah, it is. Um, I found it in a, in a, in a case in my studio. Uh, it's like 15 year old microphone. Um, and it, it's a USB microphone. And I didn't know that you couldn't plug more than one USB microphone into a laptop simultaneously because they record at different speeds. And thus you will have this terrible audio quality from one of your guests. And here I am in Los Angeles interviewing this, this big, you know, fitness celebrity and you can't hear her through the microphone. So we have to pull her audio from my microphone, which is across this table. And by the way, we're recording in this giant auditorium. So there's this massive echo all around because we didn't know about soundproofing back then. And, and you know what, that episode did very well for us. It was fine. It yeah. worked out. Um, yeah. So it's, once again, this is, it, we're we're hitting upon this beat that the more we try to perfect something, the more we are delaying getting feedback on whatever it is we're trying to put out. Our audience will tell us that they want it different. Our audience will tell you would never have known your audio didn't sound great until you listened to it. And and ultimately you decided, okay, we're gonna put this out and then we're gonna make a shift. Um, I would never know how to refine my events unless I launch my events. Yep. We learn in the process of of releasing things to market and allowing allowing feedback to enter into our ecosystem. Well, absolutely. Um, the coaching membership we have now just turned it's about five and a half years old at this point. But when 
seven years ago, I launched something very similar, but I perfected it. I made sure everything was ready to go. I went, I launched it and guess what? No one actually bought it. No one did because I didn't get feedback along the way. I actually wasn't talking. I wasn't even talking about it along the way. So no one even knew it was even coming because heaven forbid, I tell anyone. And then they ask me a question and I like start to doubt myself and my imposter syndrome comes in. So I protected this goal all by myself, did it all <laughs> myself. And then, and then guess what? I got to keep it all to myself. No one wanted it. And so after six months of trying to make this thing work, uh, we took it all apart. We broke it down to pieces and I did what I should have done, which is just put one piece of it out. See if people liked it, get feedback on it, put a different piece of it out, see what happens. And what ended up happening over the next year and a half is what we found people really liked. We put that together, made a membership out of it. And now we've coached over a thousand people with it. So, you know, like amazing. It, it's amazing. And with the, the, the version that smaller version of it, we've coached over 2000 businesses with it. So it's like, what is so cool is I definitely had to learn the hard way, but since learning that now it's always like, we put the thing, I'm thinking of doing this out there. What's the feedback going to be? What are the questions people are going to ask me? What weird stuff am I going to see out there so that I can go, oh, okay. People either didn't understand what I was saying, or they loved it, or I can do this. And it really helps you know where you should be spending your time so that you can take your amazing way of goal setting and work backwards before I spent another year on something that nobody knows they want. <laughs> I think what's important to take from this is this ability to launch and to put something out there. It is not a talent. We are not born with this. This is not innate to anyone. This is a skill. This has to be developed. Um, you you develop this through podcasting. You develop this through through trying to launch programs. You develop this by by putting yourself out on YouTube. You had to learn and exercise this muscle that taught you to test things out and to put things out and to try things and to get feedback. I had to learn this as a journalist. Um, that's why you know I I started my career in journalism as I mentioned. I didn't have the benefit of ever experiencing writer's block. We weren't allowed to have writer's block because you had deadlines. So writer's block was not a thing. You had to write, you had to turn in, and you had to get it into, into print. So you just wrote. You, you don't know what to write. Doesn't matter. You write. It's filled there. It doesn't matter. You got to send it in. And having that experience of it, it has to go in. You cannot, I worked in a newspaper. It's not like you can put out a blank page in a newspaper. You have to turn something in. Um, you get really used to this idea that it's okay. You can put it out there and then work on the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is, you know, for those listening, you're like, well, I just don't have that in me. Well, you don't because you haven't yet. Um, mm -hmm. It's like when someone says, you know, well, I don't have a background or any experience in marketing. I says, no one does. No one has a background in marketing until they market. Like yep. no one has a background in sales until they sell. No one has a background in anything until they do it. You don't have a background in shipping things out the door until you start doing it. Yeah. You made me like think of like, you know, Seth Godin, he talks about how like writer's block. He's like, do you have talker's block? Have you ever had that? No, <laughs> you you don't have writer's block. You just have like an impot, like you just have this fear of being rejected. <laughs> and that's why you're not putting on the page, but you you hit the nail. It's like, we have to be nice to ourselves. Like, like it's like you're the goals you have in this life you want to do. There's any part of every single goal that you don't know how to do. Otherwise you wouldn't even have the goal. Cause you could just 
freaking do it. And it's like learning a new skill set at a gym. You have to learn the muscle on how to do it. You don't have that experience. And so of course you'll have imposter syndrome around it. Of course you're going to have fear around it. You're new to it. Mm -hmm. And so having some grace for yourself to be new and to learn something and to make mistakes, that's how you learn the, the, the best lessons I've ever learned in life is every failure I've ever had. And also we are the worst people to judge the content we're putting out because <laughs> some of the stuff some of the episodes that I was like, oh, I don't know how that's going to land. People thought it was the most amazing episode. And I was like, oh, okay. Well then who, I, who am I <laughs> to judge? Because clearly I am not the audience. So I think, you know, I th we get in our own way and we're, and, and to use your words again, we're robbing people the experience of, of what we have to put out there. If we just pick it apart and make it so perfect before we put it out there. Yeah. I, I just think we have this disproportionate fear of a fallout that even when things don't work, and I've had plenty of things that that did not work as as I hoped they would. It 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 is not relative to what could actually happen, or how bad things could actually be, or really not be. Um, you know, I've I've never had to go hungry. I've never had to sell my car. I've never had to live. A, you know, sell my house because because something didn't work. I'm just fine. Like mm -hmm. it's okay. There's enough yeah. things that do work. Yeah, and also like. The reality is nothing has ever goes as bad as we think it's going to go or as great as we think it's going to go. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's just you, it's okay to, to have those both extremes and just know, okay, if I land somewhere in the middle, it's going to be pretty darn good. <laughs> I get so mad every time I read a book where some, some jackass is like, you know, so I launched the website and the next day I woke up and I couldn't believe it. There was a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. I'm like, screw you <laughs> all that piss. Uh, the thing that I saw, I saw this last week and this really chapped my ass where it was an online coach. I, I don't know why for someone who works as a coach, why I get so upset by other coaches, but they were like bragging about how much money they've made thus far in the year. And like, here's how much money I've made thus far this year. And and I apologize if you've done this. I, I, I don't know if you have, but um, I was like, okay why are you doing this? And it was a carousel and they're talking about, okay, I've made this money this year. Here's how I did it. But it was all a bunch of kind of bullshit advice. Like I showed up every day. Okay. And you're saying this to people who are working their asses off. This is so cruel. And what you're doing is one, you're creating this misperception that if you show up every day and these people are already working 12 to 14 hours a day, they cannot work any harder than they're working. And that number two, that you must know something that they don't. So they should be giving you their harder money. I'm like, what you're not talking about is the fact that the reason you're making this much money within the first two months of the year is because you've put in 10 years of background work that allows you the relationships, it allows you the access, it allows you the opportunities, it allows you the 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 uh, the insights and the perspective and the hindsight to know what works and what doesn't work. Like it is so inappropriate to, to cast that in front of someone else and, and, and use it in just such a braggadocious way. So why did I, I get on that tangent? Oh, oh, oh success. Chapter yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but thank you for sharing that. And I think everyone needs to listen. Like, you know, first of all, I've never posted like this is how much money I made and just show up every day. Fuck that. Like, no, I use math. <laughs> I use like, I also, I also think it's like one of the things I think maybe it was why people like me. Um, and I'll just brag a little bit. It's like I'm very fucking honest and very direct. Mm -hmm. Like the reason I'm really good on camera is because I took a commercial acting class. Okay. Like that's why I can look at a dot as an elder millennial and think of it as a person. That's why I can picture the humans on the other side. Cause 
somebody somewhere said you should do commercial acting. And you guys, I was, a I landed all the jobs and I took this class and I never landed a single one after that. However, <laughs> I was so good before. However, it allowed me when I got the opportunity to be on camera for fitness to actually, like I have done many a live news show because I am not scared to look at that post-it that they said, this is your eyeline and like picture the audience because I had this opportunity. That is not a natural strength that anyone has. You have to learn that. And you're either going to learn it the hard way, or you're going to learn it by taking a class and hiring someone, but you, it's just not your like natural <laughs> to like do those things. And so I think just to your point, it's like, Anyone you're looking at who's saying all these things and you want to have those things, you should know that there was a million other things that got them there. Some things were by chance, some things were relationship and some things were skill sets that they might not even realize helped them get there because maybe they haven't done that work. But every step along the way, along your journey, James, along mine, along those of you listening, it's like it all leads you to where you are. So you mm -hmm. don't have to discount anything you've ever been through, like the, the, the left-hand turn that was the wrong way or the goal that didn't go the way you wanted. Just like James said, you, this, this process isn't a guarantee that you'll hit every single goal you've ever wanted, but it is going to progress you somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I was, uh, recently reading Robert Irvine's new book, chef Irvine. He did that show restaurant impossible. Uh, I, I got a copy of his book cause he was on my show and, um, no, he'll never listen to us. It was okay. Uh, <laughs> But the thing that I appreciate the most about it was this one line that says, I make decisions on my business based on fact, not emotion. The balance sheet does not lie. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit. I am so guilty of letting my emotions decide how I feel and 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 what decisions I need to do based on, um, well, I, I'm I'm feeling a little nervous about this, or you know, I'm just not sure, you know, maybe I need to pull back the reins, or or I'm ignoring my balance sheet. I'm like, oh, things are going great, you know, and you know, maybe maybe things are are, are dumpster fire. Um, the balance sheet doesn't lie, and for so many years, I was so afraid to look at my balance sheets because I didn't want to look at the truth of what I was doing. And once I started doing that, and it was very uncomfortable, by the way, to look at my balance sheets versus how much time I was spending on my business, uh, how much we were taking in on the top line, what we were taking in after expenses. Um, but once I started doing that, once again, this was a muscle, I started making such better decisions about uh, the 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 future and the direction of, of the work I was doing, but it required accepting looking at hard data and fact. Um, so I, I love that you brought up your, that, that, you know, your balance sheets, you know, you can look at the math. And I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, I just read that. That was so good. Mm, yeah. I, that's, that is such, that's a, a hard skill set for people to learn because they, they're so passionate about what they're doing. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, my husband and I held some in-person events at our house where there were business retreats for fitness instructors. And the first one was phenomenal, sold out, no problems, no issues. The second one was like fucking pulling teeth. And we knew it was a great thing. Like I love doing it. He loved doing it. The people who came, we had 24 testimonial videos that were 10 minutes long, like so great, but for whatever reason, we couldn't get the second one to go. And so when you look at the balance, she's like, this is a great idea that requires a bigger wait list than we have 
And so to do it again, we need to build that wait list up and give ourselves another year before we do it again. Like just give ourselves a time because I do love doing it, but it also has to pay for itself. And then some. so, mm-hmm. cause otherwise the IRS is going to call me a hobbyist and not going to let me keep going. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the first year I launched my conference, um, anyone that's attended my conference, I've told this story. Uh, it didn't work the first time we tried to launch it. We tried to launch it in June of 2015. And about a week before the event, I had sold two tickets. I had uh, five times as many speakers as I had attendees. Um, I had a hotel reserved for this event. Uh, I had a deposit. I signed a deposit. Um, obviously, I cannot host an event for two people as I have 10 speakers, this is not going to work. So, um, you know, we, we ate a little bit of, uh, of, of our investment on the hotel. We bumped the event by three months. Uh, we sent a extremely, uh, like sorrowful mea culpa to all the speakers apologizing that we have to bump the event and, and please accept our, our, our sincerest, uh, you know, apologies for, for having to push this. And we hope that they'll join us when we redo this event in October. And then I did a massive, uh, overgiving of service to the two people who, um, you know, with the canceling of the event, obviously we refunded them. I did one-on-one coaching with them. We gave them free passes to the, to the event when we hosted it. Um, but it required a reapproach. Like we needed to redo this. We needed to do this differently. We needed to shift how we were marketing. We were we were very reactive in our marketing and very reactive in our approach, thinking that our clout or our our our, our network or whatever it was was just going to be enough to move this this along. And we realized no, we have to really put forth some energy into into moving these tickets. And three months later, the event was sold out. Mm. Packed house, not a single seat available. But it required that failing in order to realize, oh, no, we need to shift our approach here. This needs to be done differently. But once again, we didn't know. Yeah. Not because we never hosted an event before. And also, like, you would not have learned those things if it had half sold out. If it had half sold out. Good point. You would have probably gone through. You would not have known what worked or didn't work. And you might not have ever had another event again. She's like, well, that was like, it was like, it was okay. You know, so I think like. Um, I, I just like bring this back to the goals. It's like, it is not about the perfection of achieving the goal. It's about the progress along the way. And it really does force you to change who you are along the way to become the person who can do these goals. James, I could talk to you forever. I think this happened on your podcast as well. So you all, if you want to hear, let's continue. You definitely have to go to beyond the podcast and listen to my episode on there. But before I let you go, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll find out where people can find you, follow you, work with you and your beat action items. All right, loves, it's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality, and that's why for three years I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. 
testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. All right, James. Where do you like to hang out on the socials? Where can people go to an event, maybe get this? Uh, can you have a, a way for them to understand you do the goals the way you do them? Anything like that? Yeah. So um, I, I like to make things super easy for people. So, you know, Instagram's home for most people. So at J Patrick photo on Instagram, um, I did take this approach to goal setting. And about a year ago, I, decided I just wanted it in a PDF for myself because I got tired of working in an Excel document. And then a couple of my clients saw and they said, well, can we have that? I said, sure. So I, I packaged it and, and sent it off to about 50 of my clients and said, well, use it for a year and let me know what you thought about it. Um, and they did. And then we we packaged it into an actual planner. So it's called the Legacy Planner. And it's available on Amazon. Uh, you know, you can get a hard copy. You can get a paperback. Or- oh, my gosh. My peeps are going to love that they can buy a hard copy of a planner. James, you know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm all about tactile. Like, I like writing things down. And the way it works is you build out your vision for the year. Then from your vision, you build out all your annual goals. From your annual goals, you build out your quarterly plans from your quarterly plans you build out your monthly actions from your monthly actions you build out your weekly sprints and from your weekly sprints you build out what you do every day of the week so it's a it's an annual to daily planner um and uh this is what moves us forward in our in our in our goals so yeah you can get it on amazon or uh if you just want to try it out uh, go to jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy i just uploaded the pdf of it you can download the parts you want print it out, try it out and just see how it works. Uh, because I'd rather you customize this and make this your own. Uh, as long as it means that, that you're moving forward and you're actually exercising this muscle. Oh, I I'm not kidding. Like I can tell you right now, <laughs> just because at the end of every year inside my coaching community, like, what are your favorite goal planners? I like this one. I like this one. <laughs> And I was like, I can't, I can't read my own handwriting, so I don't have, but I want yours. So I'm going to go to Amazon and get it. Um, and I'm going to have it primed over tomorrow so I can take it to Mexico while I'm, while I'm on vacation thinking about things. James, um, before I let you go. You've given us so many amazing tips, but bold, executable, intrinsic targeted steps people can take to be it till they see it. The first thing is not to rely on reactive 
approaches to to anything. Don't rely on reactive marketing. Don't rely on reactive business development. Don't rely on reactive launch strategies. You have to be proactive. And that's so much of what we talked about today is how to set a goal, how to reverse engineer that goal, and how to put things into motion to test to see how things work in, in the refinement. And then that kind of leads into the second thing is a perfect idea will be infinitely less successful than an imperfect idea that was actually put out. When we put something out to market, we get feedback. When we get feedback on something, we know how to refine it, how to adjust it, how to make it better. We need to stop looking at things as static. Even this planner is not static. I can change this at any point and release a new edition. Even though this is a print thing, I can always revise this. Things are dynamic and we need to treat things as such. Mm. You are amazing, James. We're going to, I mean, we're going to have to have you back because I just really enjoy our conversations and learning so much from you. Y'all, how are you going to use these tips in your life? Are you going to get the planner? We'll have all the links in the show notes below and make sure you tag James Patrick and the Be It Pod with your takeaways. Send this to a friend who needs it. And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your hosts, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist, Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Semena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website, and finally, to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. Oh, come on. Maya, trying to come into the podcast room as soon as the podcast starts. I was on a call in my office and the girl on the call is like, is there a storm? Because their palm tree is like really blowing over behind you. And I looked back and I was like, that is so crazy. The sun was just out. And she's like, oh yeah, no, I saw that. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. And I looked and it was snow, just <laughs> like snow. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to go outside and take a picture of this. I've got to, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, yeah, it will hope it's going to be cold. Um, I'm going to Mexico next week. I got to get out of here. I got to get, I gotta oh, good for you. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's time. I, I gotta, I gotta see some sunshine. I gotta get some heat. <laughs> I didn't move here for 32. <laughs> Any questions? Nope. I am completely at your mercy. All right. Wonderful. All right, my coffee lovers. I got something for you. And I know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this, you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go. In fact, I know the Plaza instructors around here are taking coffee, kombucha, tea, and water into every class that they take. So this one is amazing because this is Pure Cafe Bold. They have two options for you. They've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing. It's pre-brewed. 
So it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet into your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing. And then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina. It reduces stress and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps you ask? Oh, that's right. Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare species of fungi. Cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients. This natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being. And seriously, it's actually super simple to make. Leslie and I have taken it camping. Yeah. I'll use it in the afternoon. We're taking it everywhere because I'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee. It's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane. And the black coffee is like less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy. So my dairy free peeps, you, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah. The black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right. So here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee, B-E-I-T-P-O-D.com slash coffee. And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase, or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!